So what I'm going to talk about this morning uh, is sort of my reflections on a book by a man named Tommy Newberry. And this book is called The 4-8 Principle, based on Philippians 4-8. The 4-8 Principle, The Secret to a Joy-Filled Life. And this book has just changed the way I think about joy, the way I, I think about my thought life and how much my thought life impacts me. Uh, and I really hope that some of the truths that Tommy Newberry took from the Bible, I can show you today. And I hope that you have a similar change in the way that you think, the way you process positivity. Newberry breaks this idea of joy-filled thinking into three sections. And uh, the first is discovering your joy, which is about understanding your thought life, um, how it affects your future, talking about mental discipline and the benefits of focusing on joy. Then there's developing your joy, which is about training yourself, renewing your mind uh, to focus on joy and replace negative thoughts with positive ones. The third is defending your joy, and that's about uh, negativity-proofing your life and adjusting your environment to align with your goals. So you can fight negative thoughts, you can fight negative influences, and uh, navigate the negative people in your life. Now, this might be starting to sound like a self-help book, and I don't want that <laughs> to be what you think. Uh, and I can tell that some of you are thinking that already, but... Um, this is pulled directly from Scripture. This book is riddled with Scripture. I'm going to use some of them this morning. It's all based on Philippians 4. It's very biblical. And we don't have to help ourselves because we have the Holy Spirit on our side. We have the God that dwells in us that helps us to do, how, do this life thing how we're supposed to. It helps us, gives us the strength to focus on joy and, and, and uh, make a habit out of positive thinking. We don't have to help ourselves because we have the Holy Spirit. Now, everybody understands the value of physical health. I don't have to argue that. We, we, have to, we know we have to eat right. Um, we have to exercise and make these choices repeatedly. Not that we always do that, um, but we understand the importance of physical health. Mental health is equally as important, but the path to mental health is not common knowledge. The path to mental health can be harder to navigate. We don't always understand what it means to be mentally healthy. Now, not having kids is the only prescription I've ever heard, right? If you want to be mentally, just don't have kids. And your brain, that's just all I've heard. So um, <laughs> we can all agree. So don't ask because it's not happening anytime soon. Um, we, <laughs> we can all agree. That God's word teaches us that joy is a part of mental health. That for a Christian, if you are mentally healthy, you're going to be overflowing with joy. So we're going to start at the very beginning, uh, a very good place to start, by talking about discovering your joy. Discovering your joy. The first thing I want to address is what you might be thinking already. Focusing on joy does not mean ignoring your problems does not mean sticking your head in the sand and just ignoring the negativity around you and, uh, and forgetting about your problems, pretending like they don't exist. That's not what it's about. Uh, it doesn't mean that your problems are going to go away either. Your life will not be perfect no matter how positively you think. Your life will not be perfect. You're going to face issues. But focusing on joy means you trust God more than you trust your issues. Focusing on joy is about uh, focusing on what God can do in your negative situations, not just the negative situations themselves. Trusting that God has great plans for your life. Joy is a result of dwelling on God's character, on his goodness. Newberry says it this way, Joy is an outward sign of an inward faith in the promises of God. Joy is an outward sign 
of an inward faith of the promises of God. So we're not talking about ignoring problems, but we're talking about focusing on joy. Focusing on God means focusing on joy. One of the secrets to a better tomorrow is having joy today. Focusing on joy today. Thinking, talking, and worrying about what you don't have will never ever give you what you want or what God wants for you. Focusing on what you don't have will never give you what you want or what God wants from you. It's so much. We're talking about focus. Where is your focus? Are you focused on joy? Where are your thoughts this morning? Because the secret conversations in your head are determining your future. They really are. Whether you you can see that right now or not, the secret conversations in your head are determining your future. Your thoughts matter so, so much. There's an influential pastor and author. His name is Craig Groeschel. And uh, he he said this. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is just going to follow your thought life. That's just the rules that God made this earth. Your life will follow your thought life. Every thought either moves you closer or further away from your God-given potential. There are no neutral thoughts. Every thought is either moving you closer or further away from your God-given potential. I have an NIV study Bible. uh, And if you don't have a study Bible, I really encourage you to get something like that. Get a commentary, something to help you interpret the Word of God. Because it gets confusing. I'm willing to admit that. (laughs) Um, So get a study Bible of some kind. The NIV study Bible is great. Uh, And this is what it says about Philippians 4.8. Paul understood the influence of one's thoughts on one's life. What people allow to occupy their minds will sooner or later determine their speech and actions. What people allow to occupy their minds will sooner or later determine their speech and action. It's just what we, what we think about becomes how we act. Now, if you want to experience God's ideal for your life, you're going to have to be good at retraining your thinking. You're going to have to retrain how you think and how you act. And uh, Romans 12.2 tells us this tells us that we need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you may have heard that before if you're a church person. It's often preached on mentioned in church. Um, When your mind is renewed, you're going to move toward your God-given potential. Renewing your mind means uh, reminding yourself that negative thoughts aren't from God. That's a great bottom line, too. (laughs) Negative thoughts are not from God, so we shouldn't dwell on them. Dwell is about, God is about the positive thoughts, and we should dwell on the positive, the joy, the hope, the life in our lives. Negative thoughts are not from God. You renew your mind by shifting your focus to God, and focusing on God means focusing on joy. Now, there's a temptation here to think uh, that we can't control our thoughts. Negative thoughts, they just come into my mind. What am I supposed to do about it? Uh, and, and I might be inclined to agree with you because I've experienced that. They, they just pop up, and they do. Negative thoughts will pop up in your mind. Um, but those fleeting thoughts aren't going to do any damage. It's the negative thoughts that you let set, set up shop in your mind that will destroy you. The negative thoughts you let set up and let set up shop in your mind. You can't control every thought that pops in, but you can control what you dwell on. And God is saying here to dwell on what is good, what is pure, what is admirable, what is right. That's the stuff that we should be dwelling on. If we couldn't control our thought patterns, then this verse wouldn't make any sense. Because Paul is telling us how to think. He's telling us what, how, what to dwell on. 
So if he was asking us to do that and it was impossible, it would be unrealistic. God would be setting us up for failure and he would never do that. So I have to believe that it's possible to shape my thought life with some effort. You can control what you dwell on. You always have something to complain about. <laughs> right? <laughs> some things popped into your head? <laughs> you always have, and it's not the person sitting next to you, you always have something to complain about, but you're always also going to have a blessing to count. Right? Which one are you going to dwell on? That's the bottom line. Uh, uh, how many bottom lines can I have? <laughs> you always have something to complain about. You always have blessings to count. Which one are you going to focus on? Which one are you going to dwell on? Philippians 4.8 tells us to focus on our blessings. Everything you need to live a joy-filled life is already right in front of you. Everything you need to live a joy-filled life, you have. Um, the 4 principle is just about focusing on the good in your life. When you focus on the good in your life, you're going to notice more good in your life. Because that's just where your head is. Um, I, Newberry calls it the virtuous cycle, uh, which is like a nerdy play on like vicious cycle. I can forgive him for that. But um, the, the, the good that you focus on is going to multiply exponentially. Because the more you focus on it, the more you're going to see it. And the more you're going to create it. You're going to have more, more positivity around you when you focus on the positivity in your life, and you're going to multiply it. Whatever you give attention to in your life expands. So if you focus on your strengths, your blessings, um, your, your, your God-given goals, when you focus on the people who love you, those things are going to expand in your life. You're going to find more blessings and goals and strengths and people who love you in your life. And the opposite is also true. When you focus on what you're bad at, when you focus on what's making you unhappy in your life, you're going to find more and more things in your life that make you unhappy. It multiplies exponentially both ways. This is compound interest, y'all. <laughs> focus on the good, and it will multiply exponentially. Dwelling on your problems will not make them go away. It'll just make you an expert on them. Do you want that? <laughs> I don't. Tommy Newberry said that, not myself, just to be fair. We live in a society that loves to focus on the negative, right? And, and I said this earlier, but good news doesn't make the front page. Even the weather is negative. And if you don't believe me, take out your weather app right after service and, uh, <laughs> and look at the column that says chance of rain, because there might be a 10% chance of rain. But do you realize that's a 90% chance of sunshine? <laughs> Even the weather is trying to be, make me negative. <laughs> That's a 90% chance. Why can't we focus on that? I digress. Um, some of us as churchgoers are exceptionally guilty of focusing on the negative. Um, we walk out of church like a, like a food critic or a movie critic, and you say, oh, the sermon was too long, the music was too loud, the pastor was too handsome, and uh, I know it can be distracting. Um, <laughs> If we give into this temptation to focus on criticism, to focus on negative thinking, it's going to absorb everything about us. It's going to multiply in our lives. And we could miss what God's trying to say. If we're focused on the negative, we might miss what God is trying to do through us. You can find negativity in anything. You don't have to look hard. But when you focus on the bad, you might miss the good. Another part of uh, discovering your joy, renewing your mind, is about renewing your self-concept. 
And self-concept is a fancy word for what you think of yourself. People have called it self-esteem, self-ideal, self, uh, self-concept is what we're calling it this morning. Um, a renewed, joy-filled self-concept is seeing yourself the way God sees you. And God thinks very, very highly of you, in case you didn't know that. Um, the way that you see yourself is going to affect how much joy you experience. And when you get the 4A principle, you're going to view yourself with a much greater respect. You're going to view the people around you with much greater respect. And uh, the reason you're going, to, you're going to see people with more respect is because you're focusing on the good in yourself and in other people. You, you could criticize. You could judge. But when you get this 4A principle, when you focus on positivity, you're going to see the good traits about the people around you. Ephesians 2.10, Paul calls us God's handiwork, God's masterpiece, depending on your translation. That's, that's how God sees you. And that's pretty impressive, <laughs> to be a masterpiece. You know of some masterpieces, uh, of pieces of art that you know, defined an artist's career. You are God's masterpiece. He thinks very, very highly of you. You can read all over the Bible where he speaks very highly of you. And here's the problem. How you see yourself is going to set the ceiling for what God can do with you. And, you know, we get sketchy when we talk about what God can't do. But the way you see yourself is going to limit um, stepping out. The way you see yourself is going to limit what you think you can do. So if God's calling you to do something, you don't think you can do it because your self-concept is poor then you're not going to do what God has called you to do. It sets the ceiling. Your self-concept sets the ceiling for what God can do for, with you. And you can't outgrow your self-concept, but you can replace it. We're not typically taught to question our self-concept. You know? It's just something that is a part of us. We just refer to it every once in a while. When we want to feel bad about ourselves. But when we're aware of it, we can start to change it. We can fine-tune the way we see ourselves to the way that God sees us. And it's all a part of renewing your mind. Your self-concept came from somewhere. The way you think about yourself is there because that's how someone else thought of you at some point in your life. Whether a, a parent or a friend or a coach or a total stranger said something, was disappointed in you. That stuff sticks with us. And it goes into developing our self-concept, especially at a young age. And that's just how we see ourselves. But letting God renew our mind lets God renew our self-concept and shift our thinking to see ourselves the way God sees us. Your love for yourself should mirror God's love for you. Your love for yourself should mirror God's love for you. After you've discovered that focusing on God means focusing on joy and the importance of focusing on joy, the next step is developing your joy developing your joy. Now, the first way to develop joy is easier said than done, and I'll admit that, so I'm going to say it very strongly, and hopefully we meet somewhere in the middle. Um, to develop your joy, you need to forgive others without exception and actually mean it. Forgive the people around you like crazy. Forgive, forgive. Your, your spiritual, emotional, and mental health is dependent on your forgiveness of other people. It really is. Your mental health depends on your level of forgiveness. Uh, Newberry says it like this. You cannot feel terrific about yourself when you feel poorly about other people. It's going to be reflected in your self-concept. He says that we need to become a perpetual forgiveness machine. 
And when I read that, I went straight to the Bible, because uh, that's what my mind does. But uh, when Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody, uh, Peter suggested seven. And in Matthew 18:22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or I've heard seven times, 70 times. The, the uh, interpretation is, is irrelevant because he's not giving you an actual number. He's giving you a principle. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Be a perpetual forgiveness machine. If you've ever talked to somebody who is hanging on to unforgiveness, it wasn't too long before you didn't want to talk to them anymore. <laughs> they bring up situations that people have hurt them in, just years and years ago. And they're just focused on that. And what they don't realize is that by hanging on to unforgiveness, they are hurt, they're harming themselves. Their mental health is suffering because of that unforgiveness. That's why it's so important not to let an old wound fester. Sometimes we have to go into our past to find uh, these negativity, this, this unforgiveness in our lives. We have to go into our past to find that and write it. And when you do, you, you've just increased your self-concept and you've made it more possible for you to focus on positivity. You know who else you have to forgive to get mentally healthy and find joy? If the first one was others, there's only one left, and it's yourself. <laughs> you have to forgive yourself to become mentally healthy. It's just, I, I'm guilty of this one myself. It's just so easy to just be suffocated by our past mistakes. Have you ever been like, like driving home after work one day? You had a great day at work. It's just beautiful outside. You know, your favorite song comes on the radio. Things are just going your way. And then you begin to relive every horrible mistake you've ever made. <laughs> Am I alone in that? <laughs> I think we've all been there to some degree. But it, it, it's just there. It's just, we've all been there. It just, it's so easy for us to let that take over. Um, and you know what's just so much better than reliving your past? It's learning from your past. Learn from your mistakes. Forgive yourself. Move on. <laughs> Learn from your mistakes, forgive yourself, move on. God has already forgiven you. All you had to do was ask. I, I provided you asked, it's over. He's not hanging on to it. Why am I? Why are you? Learn from the past, forgive yourself, move on. So forget your failures, but what you can relive is your best moments in life. This is a beautiful replacement here. I, I encourage you, for as many times as you want to relive a horrible mistake, switch that and, and relive your wedding day. Relive the first time you held your child. Relive um, that when you graduated from college, when you got that award at school. Relive that home run that you hit last season, uh, that the solo in the choir. Relive your joy-filled moments. Focus on that stuff. Learn from, forget your failures, and relive your joys. Another way to develop your joy is to stop comparing yourself to other people. And... Uh, this is another one I'm extremely guilty of if you're keeping score. Um, <laughs> I think we all do this to some extent, though. Social media just makes it so dang easy to compare yourself. I think Pastor Ray said this just last week. Um, you can just scroll through Instagram and see everyone's amazing vacations and their wonderful opportunities, their happy families. If you've ever tried to take a family picture, like with young kids, you know the, the nightmare before that picture, <laughs> if the picture even comes out to make it Instagram worthy. Um, but you see people with wonderful food. Uh, you can thank Paul Sainholtz for that. Um, we see everyone's highlight reel, and we want that. We see the highlight reel, and that's all we see. And we want it. We don't realize that that comparison is, is damaging us. Doing that comparing, it hurts us. 
comparing yourself to others is not focusing on joy. You're damaging your self-concept, and it's not focusing on joy. Newberry suggests uh, another replacement to replace your comparison. He says, rather than comparing ourselves to others, we should compare ourselves to our God-given potential. Isn't that beautiful? Don't compare yourself to to the potential of other people or, or the reality of other people. Compare yourself to what God can do through you. Devote yourself to self-improvement. I think that's a wonderful notion. Focus on unyielding self-development. Become better than you were yesterday. Ask yourself every day, how am I better today than I was yesterday? If you're focusing on comparing yourself to your potential, you're not going to compare yourself to your neighbor. Focus on your potential. We talked a little bit earlier about having a, a positive thought life and what that means. And as you work towards bettering yourself, uh, you get better and closer to your God-given potential. It will serve you to speak like you've arrived. It'll serve you well to talk like you're already there. Um, Speak to and about yourself as if you've reached your God-given potential. Because changing the way you talk about yourself is the fastest way to change your self-concept. Changing the way you talk about yourself. We talked about those secret conversations you have in your head. Changing the way you talk about yourself is the fastest way to change your self-concept. It's a bit easier than changing your mind, just to to force your mouth to to move a certain way. (laughs) We can all do that. Um, So so it's a little easier than changing your your, your thoughts. So when you let God renew your mouth and only let joy-filled things come out of that, your mind is going to follow suit. So let God renew your mouth and and it'll follow that he renews your mind. When you imagine yourself having reached your God-given potential and your, your words and your thoughts start to line up with that potential, you're getting somewhere. You're, you're working toward that potential. And it might not seem like you're actually doing anything. <laughs> when, you, when you just think like you're, you're, you're working towards your potential, your words start to match your potential. It might not feel like, like you're working towards anything, but you're getting closer to that potential in God. Another way to develop your joy is by taking control of your emotional life. What do you think about your own emotional life? How in charge of your emotions are you? How in charge of your emotions are you? Do you radiate, if you were, if you were in complete control of your emotions, you would just be radiating so much joy that the people around you would have to know that it couldn't be from within you. (laughs) I can think of no better way to show Jesus everywhere I go than radiating so much joy that people say, what is up with that joy? Why is that guy so happy? Your emotions are another thing that you can shape and influence. You have some control over this. So many people give up control of their emotions completely. They let the people around them decide how they're going to feel. Or they let their circumstances decide how they're going to feel. They've given up complete control of their emotions. I would never say to ignore your emotions, and I want to balance that out a little bit. Um, But can you really trust your emotions completely? Have you ever been afraid of a noise in the dark and then it was the radiator? <laughs> you ever been mad at a friend and it turned out to be a misunderstanding? You know that your emotions are not always based on reality. Your emotions cannot be blindly trusted. And that's why it's important to take charge of your emotional life. So many people are slaves to their emotions. Matthew 6:24 says, no one can serve two masters. And I'm fully aware that this, this verse is talking about money. You cannot serve God and money. But I think that this is a principle of idolatry. You cannot be a slave to your emotions and be a follower of God. 
You cannot follow both. You got to pick one. You're going to have more difficulty following Jesus if you're following your emotions. Um, let's say Jesus is calling you to do something, something amazing, but your emotions are calling you somewhere else. Who do you follow? Have you ever let fear or anger or uh, anxiety keep you from something God's called you to? I think we all have. I think that we've all done that to some degree. You cannot follow Jesus and your emotions. You've got to pick one. Focus on God. And focusing on God means focusing on joy. One way to take charge of your emotional life is by acting your way to right feelings. Acting your way to right feelings. The classic phrase, fake it till you make it. <laughs> uh, as Jeannie Mayo says, she's a, a famous youth pastor that I've had the privilege of mentoring under a little bit. She says, right actions lead to right emotions. Right actions lead to right emotions. I force myself to act according to my values and my standards, whether my emotions are cooperating or not. I force myself to act with my values. I don't love stacking chairs, but I'm going to force myself to do it because that's a value of mine. Service is a value of mine, and so I'm going to force myself to do it, and I believe someday my emotions are going to line up with that action. Right actions lead to right emotions. The last element of developing your joy that I want to talk about is what Newberry calls the law of exchange. And we talked about this several times. I want to talk about it a little more formally. Um, the law of exchange is this. You can do away with a negative thought, negative emotion, negative action. You can do away with a negative thought by replacing it with a positive thought. Now, this is good news because this means we can swap out a mediocre thought for a brilliant one. We can, we can swap out a fearful thought for a courageous one. We can uh, swap out a resentful thought for a forgiving one. We have that power, the, the law of exchange. We can replace our negative thoughts. You have that power. And it, it's certainly not going to happen instantly, and it's not going to be easy. But the more you do it, the more effective it's going to become. The more you do it, the more easy it's going to get, the more natural it's going to seem. And you're, you're, you're shifting and aligning your thought your thought patterns to positivity. Just resisting a negative thought just drives it deeper into your psyche. <laughs> you know, like, okay, don't look back there. And what do people do naturally? Huh? <laughs> just resisting a negative thought, you're, you're thinking about it. If you're thinking about not thinking about it, that's the same as thinking about it. So Newberry suggests replace it. Don't just try to shove it down. Replace negative thoughts with positive ones because productive thinking disrupts unproductive thinking. We discovered the importance of joy and positive thinking. We've talked about how to develop joy in our lives. And the last step is defending your joy. Because anything good uh, is worth defending. Anything worth having is worth defending. So we have to know the habits and practices that we need to have in place uh, to protect our joy, to protect our positive thought patterns. Um, we have to be aware of the things that are going to pop up in our lives and try to rob us of that joy. We have to be ready. We have to know what that's going to look like. Choosing to wing it is choosing to fail in this area. And choosing to wing it, you're just choosing to lose your joy sooner or later. Now, first, we have to stick to positive input. Stick to positive input, specifically media in this case. What media are you consuming? What are you putting into your mind? Are you putting things into your mind that challenge and inspire you? 
things that bring you closer to God. And I'm not saying that you should only read the Bible and you should only watch 700 Club. I'm not saying that. (laughs) But if your TV is constantly broadcasting negativity in your home, what do you think is going to happen to your mind? And your children's minds. Your mind will naturally follow the thoughts being broadcasted in your home. But if you listen to music, if you read books, if you watch TV programs that focus on positivity, that show the ugliness of sin, that show the beauty of righteousness, that stuff is going to align your thought process to God. It's going to help you focus on God. It's going to help you focus on joy. And you're going to have positive thought patterns because of the positivity and the input uh, that you experience. This is just one piece of a, a sort of a bigger principle that we should keep a positive environment. Uh, and this is true for anyone making any change in their lives, whether you're on a diet, uh, you want to watch less TV, you want to uh, quit smoking. You could do this with a ton of self-discipline. You could just, just will it and make it happen. Uh, you could just resist the Oreos in your cupboard. Or I don't know if you know about the Oreo Big Crunch Bar. This is really a modern marvel. Um, it, it's an Oreo, Oreo cookie elements surrounded by chocolate. It's really, really an amazing thing. What were we talking about? <laughs> you can resist the Oreos. You can resist. You self-discipline resist the Oreos in your cupboard. Or you could throw them away. Or give them to me. You're trying to watch less TV. You could just sit in the living room with the TV off. Self-discipline. Or you could cancel your Netflix subscription. Right? You can adjust your environment to align with your goals. When you're making any big change in your life, your environment will either contribute to your success or it will contribute to your failure. A supportive environment will beat uh, self, raw self-discipline every time. So adjust your environment with your goals. It will serve you well. This, this works for focusing on joy as well. You want to ally, align your environment to focusing on joy. Align them with your goals. And that means that the relationships that you prioritize might need a makeover. Uh, the people you spend time with are going to affect where you're headed. I've heard it said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. This is huge, especially in, you know, teenagers, which is where I work primarily. Show me your friends, I'll show you where you're headed. Uh, or as it says in the Bible, Proverbs 13:20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. There's two people there. Walk with the wise and you're going to be brought up. You're going to be made wise. Be a companion of fools and you're in for trouble. That's what it says in Proverbs. The people you spend the most time with are either going to bring you up as they raise the bar or they're going to drag you down to their level. And pro tip, it's a, little, it's a, a whole lot easier to be pulled down than dragged up. So just be aware of that. Now, you and I both know that we don't just naturally, well, maybe you do, I don't, um, gravitate towards the people that challenge and inspire us. I typically gravitate towards the people who will just accept me. <laughs> I gravitate or just laugh at a joke, (laughs) right? That's the people that we want to make our friends. That's the people that we typically gravitate towards. Um, And that just seems like a terrible way to shape your future, (laughs) right? Whoever just accepts you, that's where you're headed. 
and I think it's easy to just recognize that, but it's, it's, it's harder. It's, it's a true thing. I just gravitate towards people who accept me. But being aware of this tendency can help us fight it. And the best friends are the people that bring out the best in you, the people that help you realize your God-given potential. Those are the best friends you have. So ditch the fools and find the wise people in your life. If Sarah could come, we're going to add a little music here. The last ingredient we're going to talk about to this recipe for joy um, is that you need to, I need to, be crazy about gratitude. Be crazy about gratitude. Living a life marked by gratitude is just essential for a life of joy. It's essential for a life of positivity. When you focus on God, you're going to be thankful. When you focus on God, you're focusing on joy. We should always do our best to notice the blessings, thank God, express gratitude to other people. Notice the blessings, thank God, express the gratitude to other people. Lather, rinse, repeat. (laughs) Notice the blessings. Thank God. Express gratitude to other people. Newberry says this about gratitude. It's a spiritual nutrient for human growth, creativity, and joy. Gratitude is the miracle grow that you need to get on the fast track to a life of positivity, to a mind that's renewed and focused on positivity. If you're not feeling very thankful, that's uh, something you're going to want to cultivate in yourself. If you're feeling a deficiency in your life, it's probably because you're focused on what you don't have. Because when you focus on what you don't have, you're going to see what you don't have. You're going to feel empty. You're going to feel this incompleteness. But when you focus on what you do have, you're going to feel a life that's full, a life that's complete. Because you have everything you need to live a joy-filled life. It's a matter of focusing on it. This is another cycle. The more gratitude you show today, the more things tomorrow you're going to notice that you can be thankful for. More compound interest. The more you you are grateful today, you're going to notice more things tomorrow that you can be grateful for. Newberry makes this distinction between routine gratitude and exceptional gratitude. Now, routine gratitude is thanking people for a gift, uh, somebody that holds the door open for you, you just say thank you. Basic human kindness, people don't typically have trouble with this. Exceptional gratitude is what happens when you're focused on God and focused on joy. Exceptional gratitude is just another level above and beyond being grateful for even the smallest things, being grateful for even the things that, that affect everybody, being grateful for your immune system. What a wonderful thing. Being grateful uh, for a flower in a field. Being grateful for the sun above you. The stuff that affects everyone. Being grateful of that. That is exceptional greatness. Gratitude. Exceptionally being thankful is a step towards foray thinking. It's all part of aligning your thoughts to a pattern of joy. And we understand that the Christian life is focusing on God. The Christian life is all about focusing on God. And if I learned anything today, it's that focusing on God means focusing on joy. You don't need to look far in the Christian life to to find something to be joyful about. 1 Peter 1.8 says this, Though you have not seen him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Jesus is a source of unspeakable joy. Plenty of songs written about that. Unspeakable joy. So if you have Jesus, you have a reason 
to be joyful. We believe that we serve a God that loves us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. And even though he lived a perfect life, made no mistakes, not a single sin in his life, he suffered the death that we deserve for our sin. And because of his sacrifice, we get the reward that he deserved for living a perfect life. There's another exchange for you. That reward is about eternity in heaven, which is spending a lot more time on the other side of our death than on this side. That reward is also that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit is all about joy. He is all about hope and love and the positive things. And we're so lucky that we get his help in this quest to align our thinking to positivity. Focusing on God means focusing on joy. Newberry includes an illustration in this book uh, about circus elephants. I thought he said it really well, so I'm just going to read it straight from here. When I was a kid, one of my coaches told me a story about circus elephants. When these elephants are still little and weak, they're chained to iron stakes in the ground, which prevent them from breaking free and running away. This allows the circus trainers to keep them close, work with them, and prepare them for their routines. What's strange is that even after the little elephants grow into huge, powerful animals capable of lifting a ton or more with their trunks, they remain restricted by that same miniature stake in the ground. Even when they're more than strong enough to yank the the stake out of the ground and roam free, they don't do it. They don't even try. They remain limited by the old boundaries. Sometimes we demonstrate this type of helplessness as well. We focus on that little stake from our past, that little stake from our routines, from how we've done things in the past. And we forget that with God's help, we have the power to release whatever has been holding us back. So often we get stuck in these patterns of our past. And and many of us in this room are stuck in a pattern of negativity, whether you call it realism or cynicism. You might be stuck in a pattern of negativity. Focusing on God means focusing on joy. And God will set you free from that cycle. He can yank that stake out of the ground. He can help you yank that stake out of the ground. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to happen overnight. But this is a muscle we can train. This is a skill we can get better at. Paul tells us that in Philippians 4.8. Let's break free from the shackles of negativity that are just so often a hindrance in our lives. Let's commit together to focus on God and focus on joy. Would you stand with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you could do me a favor and and, and give some privacy in the room. I'm going to pray this morning that God is anointing people with his strength, that the Holy Spirit is infusing us with a miraculous dose of his joy. We can't do this without his help. So if you would say that that you need prayer for this, that you need set free from negative thinking, whether uh, you need God to retrain your thinking, you need help renewing your mind, you need to improve your self-concept, or you've been withholding forgiveness from others or yourself, You have a problem with comparing yourself to other people. You're a slave to your emotions. You need help adjusting your relationships, or you just want to be more crazy about gratitude. If you just slip your hand up, right up and right back down. If you'd say, I need need prayer for this, 
That way I can know I'm praying specifically for you. Just another minute or two. Yeah. I see the hands going up. Mm. I know that God is ready to break chains today. He's ready to break free. We need his help. But a lot of it comes from us. They say to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. So do both of those things. I'm going to pray this morning. Father, release your joy this morning. Fill these people with your joy. Fill us with everything positive that you have. That hope, that joy, that love, that peace, God. Fill us with those positive things. Lord, release us from the patterns of negativity. Release us from from the, the, the thinking that we're so used to. Renew our minds, God. Improve the way we see ourselves. Help our love for ourselves to mirror your love for us. Help us to be a perpetual forgiveness machine. God, let us compare ourselves with your potential for us. Help us to take charge of our emotions. Help us to adjust our environment and relationships towards these positive goals. And God, help us to be so, so crazy about gratitude. Father, we need your help in this. I know that you're changing lives today, God, that you're ripping stakes out of the ground, Father, that you're infusing people with your joy and your strength to pursue joy. We love you, God. I believe you're changing lives. It's in your precious name.